Hi, I'm Jesse Rath, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Lennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the season four penultimate episode of Supergirl (laughs) titled Red Dawn. We don't get to say penultimate a lot, so just uh, anticipate that it will be mentioned multiple times on this episode of Super Radio. Do you know what I liked the best about this episode? That it was the penultimate episode. (laughs) That made it really special that it was the penultimate episode. Uh, But before we get into discussing the episode, we need to get to... The news. We can officially announce that on June 29th, DC TV Podcast will be raising money for an organization called Magic Wheelchair. Magic Wheelchair is a nonprofit organization that creates epic costumes for children in wheelchairs at no cost to the families. Normally, there's this awkwardness around disability. But with that costume on there, that changed how people saw my son. They saw him first before they saw his disability. It just helps break down that barrier. Magic Wheelchair is a nonprofit that builds epic costumes for amazing kiddos in wheelchairs. Magic Wheelchair started when my son was three years old. Halloween rolled around and he wanted to be a pirate. We're new to the whole disabilities and wheelchair thing. We didn't know anything about spinal muscular atrophy. I saw him sitting in his wheelchair. I thought, well, we could dress him up as a pirate, be a pirate in a wheelchair, and let's, let's build a ship. We have made probably about 40 different costumes. We have teams right now all over the country. We have a team in France and working on a team in Australia. We're just going to keep onboarding teams because we want to build year-round. It's harder to build for people that are in wheelchairs, but it ultimately starts with the kid. It's whatever they want to be, and then we make it a reality. Halloween was kind of our initial push, but we're seeing like Comic-Con, right? And what's cool about that community of cosplay, that's a very supportive community. The the cold reality of childhood diseases are some of them won't be around for next Halloween, so let's find something that we can do while they're here with us. So they have these... They have these great memories and that they're 
their families have memories when they're gone. It's almost like a cure for the day because they don't see the wheelchair. They just see these amazing kids and it bridges gaps and overcomes that awkwardness that we have in society. I mean, they're star of the show. Oh, it's awesome to see. So we did sort of announce that we were doing another charity fundraiser this year and that it would be on June 29th. Uh, but we waited until the, you know, the big uh, drop on social media and the press release and all that kind of stuff came out to announce that we were raising money for Magic Wheelchair. And I personally love this organization. They do uh, take uh, kids who are in wheelchairs and build. They actually build stuff to put on the wheelchairs to make it really like fun costumes for these kids. I recently saw that they made a DeLorean out of a wheelchair and actually got to meet uh, Doc Brown and Marty McFly. And so that was really, uh, really special for that child. So they do a lot of really cool stuff um, for kids in wheelchairs just to kind of take the stigma out of being in a wheelchair and and, uh, get people looking at the kid and not so much the wheelchair. So I think it's a really great organization. And if you would like to uh, participate in the charity fundraiser, uh, you'll be able to listen to the live podcasting marathon that we're going to be doing at uh, Mixler.com slash DCTV podcasts. And uh, it should be worth noting that in terms of the schedule, the podcast marathon will begin and end with Morgan Glennon. Ha <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing you in. I'm taking you out. <laughs> the Legends of Tomorrow podcast hour is scheduled for 10 a.m. Eastern and Supergirl Radio will be going on at 8 p.m. Eastern. So uh, we're going to try to bring it home <laughs> there at the end. <laughs> so if you are a Supergirl fan and a listener of Supergirl Radio, it's okay with us if you wait until the 8 p.m. hour to donate. Uh, that will be fine. Uh, but, yeah, so that's going to be very exciting. You can check out all of the schedule and the information about Magic Wheelchair and how to donate to their cause uh, at dctvpodcast.com slash fundraiser. That's where all of our information on that marathon will be. It's going to be really cool, you guys. You should uh, you should tune in. We're gonna. It's going to be live and wired. So, <laughs> I, the wired was obviously an afterthought, but I tried. <laughs> you can't. You can't be live without being wired. That's that's just how things go. What if that was her catchphrase? Where it's just like she forgot half of it <laughs> every time. <laughs> uh, best catchphrase ever. Um, Well, uh, that's going to do it for our news. So let's get into discussing the penultimate episode of Supergirl Season 4. And here is the official description. Quote, Kara comes face to face with Red Daughter and the two engage in an epic battle. Determined to find a way to extract the Harinelle, Lena turns to an unlikely source for help, Lily and Luther. Meanwhile, Alex realizes she's missing parts of her memory, and Brainy, Nia, and Jean set out to track down aliens who have been abducted by Lex, unquote. Uh, so, Morgan, this was the big episode where Supergirl finally came face-to-face with uh, both the Red Daughter and the uh, Linda Lee part of her personality. <laughs> uh, so what did you think about getting to see the two of them interact? I really loved seeing um, Red Daughter and Supergirl go like head to head and not just in the battle, but like those, uh, the scenes where her and, uh, and red daughter were just kind of talking. 
I thought those were so cool. Like the going into her um, apartment and seeing that it was basically mirrored at their car's apartment. And like, I, I just, I really liked, I, I wish that we, I wish that we weren't for the first time all season. I wish we weren't at episode 21. Like I wish, <laughs> which uh, probably will come back and bite me at some point. But like, <laughs> I was one of the first times where I was like, man, I wish we had more time for this storyline like I wish we had more time to let this breathe like I would buy on more episodes just to watch uh, Melissa Benoist uh, interact with Melissa Benoist like (laughs) (laughs) I thought that um I thought that she did an amazing job at playing these two characters who were so similar because they're essentially clones uh or uh, Red Daughter's a clone of Kara but different in in some really fundamental ways and i think that you could kind of see that red daughter even though she was you know had been led astray still did have some some good in her and sort of longed for the things that kara had uh and sort of the life that kara was leading even though she was like on the surface saying like well you're doing all these bad things and you know you're uh fighting for the wrong people i thought i just thought that she brought such like such a depth to her performance in both of these roles and i i mean i would have i would have uh signed on for a whole season of this like or from black tatiana maslani like like I I thought she did a great job. I thought it was it was really cool. I agree. I would love to see I would have loved to have seen more of the Red Daughter storyline. I get why they didn't do so much in the beginning and maybe you could you could justify the the you know the the little bit that they inter- uh, that they had uh thrown out throughout the season because they were just planting the seeds to the Lex Luthor reveal. I kind of get you know, in, in the overall big picture, I understand why they did that. But it does make me wish that we had seen more from Red Daughter and we had seen more from this interplay between Red Daughter and Kara or, or Supergirl. Because I, I think that really was really interesting to me in this episode. And I thought it was fascinating. You talked about the scenes when they were just talking to each other. Uh, there's the scene where Red Daughter tells you know, tells Kara, you know, it's important to know your enemy. And she basically calls Kara a villain, which I thought was interesting. Well, isn't there isn't there a scene where Kara is sort of telling uh, her perspective and and Red Daughter says something along the lines of, well, the villains always think they're right, which is, I think, like like a piece, sort of a piece of right, like a writing, but also like acting that you'll hear a lot of like actors say like, well, even though I'm playing a villain, the villain doesn't think that they're the villain. And I thought that that was like such an interesting way of turning that on its head where she's like, really, she's doing some some messed up things and she's been led astray. But what she's hearing is that like, well, yeah, of course, she's trying to justify it to herself of all the things that she's done wrong. Yeah, she she considers Kara to be the villain because she thinks that what she believes is the right thing. So it is it is a twist on, you know, what making you making or me question at least like, what is the right thing? Why is the wrong thing bad? And just kind of put kind of pondering those those big ideas. And one of the things I thought was really fascinating about the dialogue in this episode is that Red Daughter quotes, the devil can cite scripture for his purpose. And that's actually, I, I haven't seen Merchant of Venice in a while or read it, but apparently that is said by Antonio in Shakespeare's Merchant of Venice. Uh, oh, so interesting. It's a, it's a very, very famous uh, 
quote that I I knew of it and I was like, I have to look up where that's from because I know it's from something. Um, and so then I just kind of noticed like throughout the episode, Kara, when she's pleading with Red Daughter, she says, for God's sake. And Red Daughter says to Kara, why did, uh, why, what did they say to make you believe? And so I just, I kind of, I love that kind of dialogue playing on that idea that kind of goes back to um, what Red Daughter said in, in the first place. And then there's, of course, you reach back to season three where Rain and Supergirl have that dialogue about, you know, if if uh, Rain is the devil and, and all of that. So I just, I thought that that was really fascinating, just the way that things are written. And I even liked that uh, car at the beginning when she sort of, she frees herself from uh, being uh, tied to the chair, like breaking it over her back, which I thought was <laughs> awesome. Um, she tells the government agent you picked on the wrong girl and i thought that was such a clever line because uh heads up there are two of them in in this uh in this episode and so i just thought that was a neat line given that there are two of kara's um in this storyline that they you know have her say you picked on the wrong girl um so i thought this episode was actually written really well the dialogue was really sharp uh, it kind of bums me out that this was <laughs> Eric Carrasco's last episode writing for Supergirl. Oh, I know. I saw that on Twitter and like a small part of my heart exploded and died. I was <laughs> <laughs> he's been one of my favorites consistently throughout the run of the, you know, since he's been on the show. And and I I just I could really feel in this episode like this is somebody who like that the the guiding hand on this one was somebody who really cared about the show and was really you know understood these characters so i'm i'm sad to see him go yeah he's he's done a lot of some of my favorite episodes this season and so i am i'm pretty bummed about it cuz he he is uh i i would say one of the one of the better writers the show has had uh, so I enjoyed the dialogue that came out of uh, both Kara and Red Daughter uh, in this episode. And I enjoyed the the big fight between them. You could obviously see that there were two different Supergirls. They looked differently. They had different ideas. So I thought that that was really good to make that distinction between them. And I think Melissa Benoist... She did such a fantastic job. She had to go through a lot of emotions in this one. <laughs> I mean, she gets shot and she has to, you know, that scene where she goes to Jean's apartment and he has to take out that bullet and she talks about Alex. And I was just like, oh, this is one of those moments that she's making me cry when she talks about Alex. And uh, it was just it was uh, it was rough to watch, but also very beautiful because it was done very well. Um, and just all those scenes where Supergirl is talking to Alex and they're having a moment about, you know, protecting your sister. I just I thought Melissa Benoist did such a good job because she really did make those two distinct uh, Supergirls really stand out from one another. Like even just mentioning the uh, the Linda Lee with the gun. Yes. She looked really menacing. So she she convinced me 100 percent that that was a different uh, Kara, but that um, they came from something of uh, of an original place. Like they were both, they did share some genes, but they were very different. And I know we've we've talked a little bit about her performance as Red Daughter throughout the season because she has been in other episodes. But this one, because she had to be in the same scene with herself, <laughs> she really <laughs> made that work, and it really it really popped out, and it was very well performed. Yeah, I was I was super impressed, especially when she's got like the she's got the wig on and the gun. 
it was a it was a very cool it was very cool visually to see her acting opposite herself it was very (laughs) it was very seamless like I I was just really into it I didn't think to myself like there's Melissa Benoist twice like I thought oh god Red Daughter is you know holding car like super car supergirl hostage but uh I did want to point out (laughs) I just saw right before we started recording that um somebody on Twitter uh, at Quinn Schuler um sent us a message that says so it's a it's a screen capture from season one where supergirl is saying i just found out last week that kryptonite exists and then there's a screen capture from this episode where Kara says i've been dealing with kryptonite for 15 years (laughs) (laughs) and quinn says uh to quote at supergirl radio season one doesn't exist (laughs) it doesn't exist we all we should know this by now it is uh, it, the continuity is it starts with season two and that, that's all there <laughs> is to it. Is that post Amade? I guess it would be we, we would we would we consider this? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a pre Amade <laughs> reality. Maybe <laughs> we're, we're all living in the post Amade universe here. <laughs> oh man, but um, yeah, this, that was a that was a moment where I kind of raised my eyebrow at the screen as I was watching, going, "All right." Uh, <laughs> and the other moment I did that was like during the the Supergirl Red Daughter fight, which I thought was really well done. I love that Red Daughter had her like Supergirl's like dead mouse uh Supergirl <laughs> outfit where she was like, is she gonna, you know, is she gonna fight Supergirl? Is she gonna like throw down some hot tracks? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but so she kills Supergirl and the how they get Supergirl to live is by Alex shoving a pile of grass into her hand yelling Take this grass. Now, I'm <laughs> listen. Uh, the more I think about this episode, the more I like it, and like the more emotional beats I think of that I thought were just so well done and really well thought out. And I think this one might be up there with some of my with my favorite episodes this season. It did kill the emotional momentum <laughs> for me a little bit. <laughs> when poor Kyler Lee had to try to sell the, the line take this grass while crying and I just started laughing because I'm a bad person <laughs> and it did take me out of it a little bit because I was like alright alright I'm going with you but it's getting weird now. I will say that even though I did find this episode to be well written that was a low <laughs> point <laughs> take this grass She that could have been fixed by just uh, talking to Eliza and saying, it, just like she did in the episode, and there, you know, there's sunlight and everything. That's all she had to do. And then she would just grab the grass and, and you know, put it on Kara. That's all. She didn't have to say anything. Maybe that was yeah. maybe that was an ad lib by Kyler Lee. I don't know. Maybe it was just in the moment. That's what she felt like she needed to say. But I agree. It was a little silly at some points. Uh, I did have lots of questions about the grass. Yeah, I had so many questions. It was it was one of those scenes where like um, Alex, you know, Alex is crying over Supergirl. Supergirl is dead. Like she just got her memories back. She remembers it's her sister. I was so like emotionally involved. I was getting like you know like even a little teared up. Like I that sister relationship is the like the core of the show. And I was I was like oh my god what a great scene. And then that line and I just. <laughs> burst out laughing <laughs> i mean 
okay. <laughs> yeah, that that could have been massaged a little bit to be a little better. Um, but yeah, the the thing that I was questioning is, so I didn't understand fully how Supergirl was able to pull the sunlight from the grass. It's it sort of looked like magic to me, and I wasn't sure. It was it was very strange. And then also, I think it begs the question, which is again, I'm going down a rabbit hole that I'm clearly not meant to, to think too much about. No, let's go let's go down that hole, like Alice in Wonderland. We're going down that hole exactly. But but like my many other rabbit holes, including real estate and <laughs> desk, <laughs> desk living situations. Like let's just go there, but. <laughs> In theory, couldn't she always do this to herself? Like, any time that she gets hurt, like, couldn't she just, like, pet a tree and be like, never mind, I'm back in fighting. (laughs) (laughs) Like, haven't they essentially just, like, written her a way out of trouble always? It just, it felt, I don't know, it just felt so strange to me where I was like, oh, so she can just, like, hug a bush and then she's going to be fine? I think that the logic there is sound. That, uh, well, from your point of view, that (laughs) if she could do it in this situation, it does make sense that she would be able to do it in other situations. So maybe now, you know, from now on, she'll just be like, no big deal. There's there's sunlight in everything. No big thing. Also, wouldn't you think she'd have way more plants in her apartment if this was the case? Oh, I know, right? If they were like battery chargers for her, like it would just be covered in plants and she would just be like, hello, my little green friends. Well, she's going to really have to, you know, get more usage out of that Daressa plant that she has from Argo. <laughs> for real? <laughs> that thing is really, I mean, I, I'm, I imagine that. Well, I don't know. Is that going to be like kryptonite because it's from a Kryptonian plant? All right, that I, See, now, I've, now, I've gone now, down. Now we're down the rabbit. Welcome, welcome, Rebecca. Welcome down the rabbit hole here. <laughs> I don't know if the Daressa would plant the Daressa plant would help her or hinder her. I'm not sure. I get what they were saying uh, that you know. I guess that the uh, the sunlight goes on the plants, goes on the grass, and so the grass, I guess, uh, soaks up that sunlight, and so I guess there's sunlight in there. I just didn't understand how Supergirl was able to pull it into her without having to touch it. Because it seemed like it was moving on its own. Some of the sunlight came like from a tree that was just nearby. Like it wasn't next to her. It wasn't the grass in her hand. She hadn't taken that grass. <laughs> she, it, was, it was from a tree that was like a little ways away. So I don't like how did. How did she do that? Ah, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's like her, her, her Kryptonian cells just like it just sucks it up. I don't know. The, I will say one of the nice things about that moment is that uh, when Supergirl is telling Alex the DEO of kind of about her soaking up the sun, I guess from the sun lamps, she says that I feel it in my toes first. And there was a shot when all that stuff was happening with the grass. They showed a close-up of her red boots and showing it going on her feet first. And I thought I thought that was a nice callback to that earlier scene when she does explain that. So that I thought was really nice. Oh, that's cool. I, I hadn't noticed that. But I did like that scene where uh, where she was talking about what it felt like to get like basically solar charged. <laughs> because uh, I mean, it's, it's something that you you would wonder about, like, what what's what's that like? And I like that when they take little moments out to sort of explain what it's like for Cara to have her powers. Yeah, I, I and I thought it was a 
clever uh, usage of how to track Red Daughter um, to kind of track where she's been because of her uh, solar radiation, I guess. Oh, I have a, I have another question about the fight. <laughs> As it turns out, this is this is turning into nitpick corner. <laughs> I, I really want to assure people that this is I thought this episode was like fantastic. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, b- for some reason, I, I exhibit that by just taking apart the smallest things <laughs> when they're fighting how why does the sun go out like why why are they fighting in the air and it's day and then like she gets knocked out and suddenly it's night that was never explained and i could not wrap my head around it okay here's my theory okay thank you so so this was this something that you were like wait what the on the first viewing i was like what? i was so confused i don't know if it was one of those things like you know uh, or if you remember in the dark night rises there's like a whole sequence, like Bane robs the the uh, stock exchange or whatever, and then Batman has to chase him later. Well, that that sequence like goes from kind of like afternoon to like n- like dark nighttime, and I I always chalk that up to like oh it took him a little longer to shoot this sequence, and they just kind of had to deal with it. <laughs> but uh, I don't think that's the case here. I think it was intentional because. There's some kind of new power. Red Daughter says she has evolved and she doesn't quite have the same powers as Supergirl because she has an additional power and she has this like purple lightning that comes out of her hand and she hits Supergirl with it. And that is when uh, day turns to night. I don't know how she would have have affected the uh the, the time did she knock out the sun that's a pretty powerful ability red daughter has i just feel like just one one line of like maybe red daughter being like ha ha i have turned off the sun <laughs> either she turned off the sun or she just knocked her into the future I don't know. I don't know how <laughs> that power works they didn't explain it but visually if I made my notes correctly, she when she hits her really hard with that purple lightning in her fist, that's when she knocks her into the nighttime. Uh, so I, I don't know. There's there's got to be something about that new power. Or like you have been traveling in the air for hours. <laughs> I mean, maybe <laughs> I don't know. It seemed like the same place. It it can. It's one of those things where it, it's because it was never explained. It threw me off, and I just kept on like asking, like, but wait, how is it night? <laughs> no one's gonna. No one's gonna explain this. Okay. <laughs> well, they visually needed it to be night because. Of the grass. (laughs) Because of the grass and the light that comes off of the grass. You have to to make that night in order to see it really well. It wouldn't have that dramatic impact if it was daytime. Agreed. So that's the logistical uh, shooting (laughs) reason for that. But uh, I, I would agree. They didn't fully explain it. And I'm normally one of those people who likes it when you don't explain it. Like, don't hold my hand. Just let me figure it out. But in this case, you're introducing an entirely new power for this character that we've never seen before. It might help to figure out uh, what she's doing and how that works. Yeah, right. That's that's. I was like, mm, I just need a little bit more. I don't. I don't need a lot. I just need like one line where you ex- because I'm so used to on this show hand waving things that don't quite make sense to me. Where I'm like, oh, okay. All right, so clearly James lives under his desk. 
<laughs> and nobody ha- is able to get any insurance in National City. Those things make sense to me. Like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just needed a line where she kind of explained the time difference because I kept being like so confused by it. I was like, I know that they needed it to be night for like dramatic effect. Uh, but how did we get here tonight? <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't know if we'll ever get an answer to these questions because it seems like Red Daughter is dead by the end of the episode. Do, do you believe she is dead? So I don't know if I believe she's dead, but I will say if she is dead, this is a Mercy Graves level <laughs> insult. I am taking it personally <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I'm mad about it. <laughs> and obviously this show cares about what I'm mad about because of clearly they've been trying to address it this whole season by just making <laughs> us more and more mad. <laughs> this show clearly cares that uh, what we want since they made Snapper snap zero times. <laughs> but yeah, I, I did like a double take at the end where I was like, I'm sorry, a what? Yeah, I did not expect that. They had Red Daughter go out off screen. <laughs> yeah, she didn't even die on camera. Off screen, Rebecca. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> but you know what? I totally, be- I would believe it if she really was dead. Because not only did they kill Mercy Graves and we were still like, is she dead? Like, we had that thought, like, I mean, I guess she's dead, but really they surely they wouldn't kill her like that i like that some part of my brain who which like cannot get over things and cannot accept like i am still in denial as it turns <laughs> out about mercy because i keep expecting her to pop back up i was <laughs> even in this episode <laughs> even in this episode where otis is clearly sad about the death of his sister i'm like but what if she's not really dead <laughs> i can't i can't accept it <laughs> but not only did they do that with mercy they I felt like they did that with Manchester Black. Yes. Where they killed him. They, they, quote, killed him once in the Fortress of Solitude, and then he came back. And then Jean killed him again. And I was like, well, is that it? Are we, are we like, the elite's over? Every Everybody's gone? That's it? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I have a, a question. I thought about this the other day because I was typing out a message, like a tweet or a text message, and I, I autocorrect um, capitalized the word hat for me. <laughs> and I realized <laughs> and I realized that, first off, my whole brand, uh, but second off, <laughs> whatever happened to hat, like, whatever happened to my boy hat? <laughs> that makes me so happy I was was gonna like send you a message to tell you about that and then I forgot and I'm I'm so happy I remembered now that we're recording (laughs) that's so funny I am crying that is great I I will have those two where like kryptonite will be capitalized in that's amazing in my my, um uh kryptonian and kryptonite I, I obviously use those a lot um but yeah so they they kind of got rid of even the elite with not a lot of flair. So I would actually believe it if this was how Red Daughter went out because that's how they've been handling these big deaths this season, which is kind of disappointing to me. Yeah, I'm 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 shocked if you're right because I wouldn't be surprised if that's exactly how Red Daughter dies off screen and we learn about it from some like news footage and then <laughs> we just move because it kind of does feel like from a narrative perspective if Red Daughter is there and Lex is there, that's a lot of ground to cover in the finale. That's 
that's a lot of stuff. Those are a lot of moving parts. So it does make more sense to just have Lex in the finale. But to kill Red Daughter off, off screen, it's just, I'm, I'm bummed about that, if that's what happened. The only thing that I think might keep her alive in the story is little Mikhail. Yeah. He is still alive. Uh, we saw earlier that Otis did not actually kill him, that he is still alive. So if, if they did kill her and didn't circle back to Mikhail with her... I, that would make me very upset on the behalf of Red Daughter as a character because she cared about that little boy so much and there should be something that goes back to him. Because they even showed his picture in her. Yeah. She had, she had a journal just like Kara. I guess she saw she read Kara's journal and she's like, eh, I, should, I should keep one of these myself. And maybe I'll do a little weird doodle of <laughs> Alex Danvers in there. Uh, but yeah, so I think that the only reason they would keep her around is for Mikhail at this point because she did, unfortunately, because of Lex Luthor and his plan, she served as a, just a plot point for his big uh, false flag, his big paper tigers thing. Uh, so that's that's all she was to him, really, in the end, was just a, a means to an end to get there so that he could be the hero. So... I don't know. I don't. I. I don't even know if she's dead at this point. She could be playing along with Lex. Like they could just That's be true. faking it. So I. I don't know. But if it was me, I would leave her alive to go back and see Mikhail. Although, <laughs> since uh, he's a little boy who doesn't have a family anymore, maybe maybe Alex Danvers is gonna adopt Mikhail. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like Mikhail is a dropped plot that needs to. Get, we need to get back to this. Mikhail, what if what if we find Mikhail? Mikhail's hanging out with Maxwell Lord, and around the corner. Who comes into the room? <laughs> oh, guess what? It's Jeremiah Demers. <laughs> and that's how Alex finds him. <laughs> he's like, he's like, actually, Alex, I found you and here's a child to adopt. Or she could be like, uh, Dad, I wasn't actually looking for you. I was looking for this <laughs> Russian boy that I don't oh know. Oh, my gosh. How amazing would that be? Like, oh, actually, this is awkward. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I know that you're really looking forward to this reunion, but I've actually kind of got some places to be. Are you going to be here in like two to three years <laughs> when I remember to come looking for you again? Speaking of Jeremiah Danvers, I guess we should mention that Eliza... Hashtag never forget. Hashtag never forget <laughs> that Eliza was in this episode. She played kind of a big part that she was the reason that every go everybody goes back to Midvale uh, because... Uh, Red Daughter poses as car, which was super creepy in the Danvers house. Uh, what, did, what did you think about seeing uh, Helen Slater as Eliza Danvers? Oh, I always love seeing um, Helen Slater on the show. And her, Eliza, I think, is a character I wish we saw more of. Uh, but, I mean, obviously, it's probably hard to to get her on for guest spots. But, uh, but I, I did really love seeing her. And I think that scene where you know that red daughter is there with her because that's obviously that's not the real car because the real car is talking to her. It was such a good, I thought that was such a good kind of like almost like a horror movie oh, moment yeah. on the show She's where the it's house. like, yeah, exactly. The call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> like it was, <laughs> it was, per it was like, and, and the way that it was done, I thought was so well done where it's sort of like that slow pan where it's like, oh, no. 
I just, I mean, there honestly, like the more I think about this episode, the more things I liked, uh, I think of that I liked in this episode, that I thought it was really well done. And that was one of them where I thought like, I mean, let's be honest. They're, they're just kind of killing people willy nilly. Like what's to stop them from killing Eliza Danvers. Really? She's oh, not yeah. like, she's not a main cast member. She's not on the show all the time. So I was like genuinely worried for her safety. I really liked that. It felt like, uh, adventures of Supergirl uh, by Sterling yes. Bates. There was, there's a moment in that story arc where, Things happen because they go. Uh, Facet, your girl Facet, goes That's after it. goes <laughs> after Eliza Danvers. So that I thought was a, a neat callback, especially to Sterling Gates, because they used his motto, Pope help and compassion for all in this episode. Oh, yeah. I was so jazzed about that, too. I was like, Sterling Gates. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was an intentional uh, throwback to Adventures of Supergirl with the Eliza Danvers usage, but that's what it reminded me of. Um, so I guess the, to wrap this section of our discussion up, uh, wh- what I really wanted to ask you was, we got the big reveal that Alex remembered the memories. Do you think the mind wipe storyline was worth it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's a really like brutal answer, but um but I thought about that as I was watching because I think that this episode was did a did some phenomenal work with the mind wipe stuff. Like phenomenal work. It to me it almost justified it, but then I thought about all of those episodes <laughs> that it, it was literally just another Jeremiah Danvers on the show. It was like a dro- it was a dropped plot. It was a forgot. It was one of the forgotten of Supergirl. Yeah. You know, like they forgot about this. Mi- they had this mind wipe last too long and didn't do anything with it. Like if that episode had been one or two episodes after the mind wipe happened if that all those scenes had come to to pass i think that the mind wipe would have been great or if they had conversely if they had done something interesting or different with the mind wipe and like really used it to explore the relationship between alex and Kara and like really dive into um their relationship and sort of the different relationships she would have with supergirl but they dropped it so quickly that like sometimes i would forget that she had the mind wipe um and but and and so this episode kind of to me it it was like you could have you could have done something interesting with it like you have you know you have interesting things to say about their relationship like you still care about that relationship and this one was so well done that I just kind of felt like uh like why did we get this version of the mind wipe like I was never excited about the mind wipe because. To me, Alex and Cara are the show that they're the heart of the show. They're the like they're what the show spins around, like the axis that the show spins around. And so to kind of put a dent in that relationship, I was never excited about. But I was like, okay, I'm willing to go on this journey and see what this is gonna show us about our two different characters. And it I don't I don't feel like we got anything all that compelling out of it except for this maybe this episode yeah i thought this episode was really well done and how they handled it and i think they think that they earned this episode and how they did it with the the flashbacks which i loved i loved seeing young Kara and alex every time that we have a flashback with young Kara and alex every time i'm like 
what witchcraft did they use to, <laughs> to, to cast these actresses? It's, it's almost, it almost freaks me out too much. Like <laughs> they are like a little, like a little Melissa Benoist and Kyler Lee in like such a ridiculous, like they're so, they're so good. It's so spot on. Like the mannerisms, the way they talk, like uh, if you said like, actually they just went in their time machine and grabbed them from earlier in the timeline. I believe you. Yeah, there was a moment where young Kara says something like, I'm just doing like a jazz version. It, that sounded like something Melissa Benoist, like the way she said it, that sounded like something that Kara in present day would say to Alex. Um, so they are really, really good. And I enjoy seeing them every time they come on the show. And I thought the the flashbacks and getting to see them when they were younger with the the heat vision on the s'mores and the <laughs> and the making s- snowflakes or snowfall with the Christmas tree. I thought that was wonderful. Oh yeah, it made me it made, like it made me very emotional. Like I these two that those those sisters they get me like every single time, which I think the show knows, but they don't always. They don't always play to it. Well, that's the thing. I think that they thought they earned it, but I don't think they actually did. I think they did a good job in this episode, but I don't think everything leading up to it was earned for that moment in particular when she remembered her memories. Because even in this episode, the whole reason they did this stupid thing was because they didn't want Colonel Haley to know that Carl was Supergirl. <laughs> and then after all of that, in this episode, Colonel Haley comes into the DEO and she's like, Supergirl, what are you doing here? And Supergirl's like, well, you know, we found out that Lex is doing some bad things and uh, there's a clone of me out there. And Colonel Haley's like, okay, cool. We'll work together on this. That'd be great. Yeah, exactly. And Colonel Haley's like, all right, guys, freeze frame high five. <laughs> like, I just... Yeah, I thought the exact... I. A hundred percent. I thought the exact same thing as you did where that scene happened and I went, you're kidding me. (laughs) Like she has, Colonel Haley, I think, has been sort of creeping along more towards like their side of seeing things and seeing sort of that there's some sort of corruption that she doesn't really understand and started starting to realize like, oh, like maybe I, I can trust these people here. And I think that they've been doing a decent enough job with it. Although I, I feel like sometimes, again, they forget Colonel Haley exists for episodes at a time. Uh, so it would be like better if they had her more consistently. Like if we were more into Colonel Haley's journey to see where how she got from like, I'm going to, uh, you know, have everybody um, put their hand in with this weird creature and tell me their secrets to like Supergirl. How you doing? So speaking <laughs> of uh, baby truth seekers, this might be this might be a good time to talk about uh, some of my favorite scenes in this episode. Oh, baby truth seekers are so cute <laughs> with uh, Lillian Luther and Lena Luther. So, uh, it, what are your thoughts? Le- Lillian came back and it was wonderful and awesome, and I was I missed her so much. What did you think about seeing her in this episode? So I've decided after watching this episode that what we need is for Lily and Luther to be their Hannibal Lecter <laughs> that they have to that they have to go see like every other episode and she's just kind of like in a padded cell somewhere going going Lena <laughs> how are you <laughs> and and like just being di- because every time i feel like every time Lily and Luther comes on the show the show is just on a different level yeah, like that it's elevated. Yeah, it's elevated the luthers i think 
to me are just they always just take the show up a notch to like a place where I want to be like <laughs> whether whether it's like the emotional stuff or like sort of a an interesting morally gray area or if it's just bonkers like sometimes <laughs> the Luthers were just bonkers and you're just like oh okay you're just gonna shoot that thing up into space or you're just gonna put on your sad coat and a gun and go after him <laughs> all right like I like any Luther is like at any moment just gonna do either something like heartbreaking or diabolical or like you're like whoa you need to stop drinking wine uh, <laughs> and I'm always on board for it so Lily, the Lillian and Lena scenes were, as always, some of my favorite material. And it's like Katie McGraw and Brenda Strong in a scene together are both of them are just like chomp, chomp, chomp. <laughs> There's no scenery left. It's amazing. <laughs> I think uh, her putting that the ba the baby truth seeker on uh, on Lillian was one of my favorite, like my favorite things that they've done. Because it's, like, so crazy in a way I can't even – it's almost – it's so crazy. But then there's that moment later on in the episode where Lena – where Lillian is like, oh, okay, I mean, you didn't really poison me. <laughs> and and Lena looks at her and smiles, like, the acting in the scene, like, smiles. And she's just like, you're going to want to take that antidote. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I just – and I think that like what what makes it so good is that scene where she tells Lena that like of course I'm concerned about you I love you. It's that kind of like they're such they're kind of at times they can be really crazy outlandish characters but there's this really like interesting dynamic between the two of them that is very real and very heartfelt where Lena where they do care about each other but in such weird ways and it's like I just want to watch them like chew the scenery all day and play chess and maybe poison each other a little <laughs> bit like, never to actually kill each other just to, for funsies like for funsies poisoning and like I don't know I just I wish that we could have Lillian as like a full-time cast member and it doesn't make sense and how would you even do it but I wish we could do it I wish we could get Brenda Strong and Helen Slater as like you said, regular series, series regular full time cast members, because that would be such a cool thing to see them like see Car and Lena, or even Alex uh, as well in there at with their mothers and have like a whole season about that. But um, you know that I'm gonna save that for our pitch meeting uh, <laughs> that we're gonna have later on. But that's a, that's a, that's a good point that we got to see. Kara and Lena both with their mothers and kind of the contrast of those relationships makes each one like more stark where it's like you're like oh my gosh like uh <laughs> Lillian Luther seems so much more diabolical when you put her against uh Eliza Danvers who was just yeah. like give her the grass <laughs> 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 my favorite line that made me laugh so much in this episode, it was probably my uh, my biggest laugh out loud moment, was when Lillian was like, couldn't you just waterboard me like a normal person? Oh, my God. I, I died. <laughs> it was great. Um, so I did enjoy uh, their uh, interaction in this episode. And I didn't realize, m maybe I should have previously, but that Lillian was as smart as she is. That I I I don't know. I, I guess I always thought it was like Lex and Lena and then some other Luthers. But <laughs> she apparently she 
All she had to do, she took 24 hours. She knew everything about hair and L. <laughs> she was like, I've been studying it all day. I've learned things. We're good to go. That made me laugh so hard when at I think it's towards the end of the episode where she's like, "Oh yeah, of course. I've been I've been studying this for 20 for, for all day today, so I've got it." <laughs> Nailed it. Uh so yeah, so that I enjoyed getting to see Lillian Luther. Uh she's always a delight. Please come back more often. Uh so I guess it's a good segue to go into the Ben Lockwood James stuff of this episode. We uh we got to see um Ben Lockwood figure out that he'd been sort of played all this time. And James is is going through some uh, side effects. He's kind of deteriorating just like Ben Lockwood is because of the hair and L. What what do you make of that? Hmm. I kind of felt like this was um, an attempt to retroactively make the Lockwood stuff more interesting. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, the idea of that like Lex has been playing him the whole time and he's sort of been playing into Lex's grand plan almost makes the Lockwood stuff feel m- more interesting and less annoying than it actually was while experiencing it during the season. <laughs> I say almost because I still had to suffer through yes, it. Yes, we did. We did. <laughs> like I still had to watch so much, so, so much of it. <laughs> uh, I feel like I kind of almost wish that they had tipped their hand about Lex way earlier, that like Lex was the one pulling the strings for Lockwood way earlier because then I think maybe I would have been I don't want to say I'd be interested in the storyline because, oh, no, I wouldn't have. But <laughs> I feel like I'd be like, well, we're all bu- we're bu- this is building to like a, a like the whole Lex thing. So, uh, uh, as it was, uh, th- I didn't hate him in this episode. Like I, I found him at least interesting because he was connected to the main story and the Lex stuff, which I have been enjoying a lot all season. But. Man, I wish we had gotten here a lot faster. Yeah, I agree. That actually would have been nice if we had gotten that reveal of Lex earlier. And then we would have had time for the rest of the season to have more character stuff like we had talked about. We wanted to spend more time with the Red Daughter storyline. That would have been really nice. Um, Yeah, I don't know. The the Lockwood stuff, I I have a really big feeling he's going to die because of the Harinelle. Because he doesn't know what they now know about James. That if you just re-inject him with the hair and L, he'll stabilize and be fine. So I have a feeling he's just going to die on his own. But I could be totally wrong. Something else could happen to him. Um, but I don't know if he's going to confront Lex about all of this. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, so that that part of it does make me a little more interested in Ben Lockwood, cause, just because I don't know where he's going to end up by the end of the season. So that I am looking forward to seeing how they play that out. James, on the other hand, I was really hoping they could get us to somewhere where he didn't have powers anymore. Does he still have the powers? He still has the powers because he was like bleeding out of his ears. And so they injected him with another uh, dose of Harinelle and it stabilized him so he didn't have those problems anymore. But I guess they would have to keep giving him the Harinelle in order to make that work. So... I don't know where they're going with all of this. I've got two words, and it's my most sincere wish. (laughs) And I think you know that they're Turtle Boy. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, if I can't give up on Mercy Graves, you know I'm not giving up on Turtle Boy Jimmy Olsen. (laughs) Maybe Lillian is going to figure out that the only way to save James is through some turtle DNA. 
That's the only <laughs> thing that's going to permanently fix him. Well, I mean, was anybody in the lab with Lillian while she was working on the Harnell? <laughs> I don't think anyone was, but maybe a turtle wandered on in and she was like, <laughs> I've got an idea. <gasps> well, actually, they could do that. I mean, just storytelling wise, they could say that something that Lillian did with that new uh, new Harnell does something differently to James. I mean, we are trusting Lillian Luther to have not done anything diabolical, like, say, turn somebody into a turtle boy. <laughs> she doesn't like Jimmy Olsen very much. So I could see that happening. Of course, I, I don't think it will. But <laughs> you could conceivably do that if you wanted to, story-wise. Keep hope alive! <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just was laughing because Kara, when she talks about Alex and the, the memory wipe, she says, you know, this can't be forever. And I thought, that's how I feel about James and the powers. <laughs> this can't be forever. <laughs> this can't be forever. So, um, yeah, so that is a whole thing we still need more information on. Hopefully we'll get to see how that plays out in the finale. Real quick, speaking of the mind wipe, this is something that was really bothering me. Um, okay, so we know that I am still dicey on the mechanics of this mind wipe, and they've never explained it, really. Okay, so when John is like, no... We can't tell her. Basically, we can't ever tell her her brain would explode. <laughs> um, I have a lot of questions, but one of them was, did he mention that before the mind wipe? Because it did not seem like when he gave her that mind wipe, it was a permanent situation. In fact, I feel like they even said, like, this won't last forever. You know, Haley's got to give up sometime or something along those lines. And I don't feel like maybe that was Jean's dark secret. But I don't <laughs> I don't feel like he was like, well, actually, guys, like, I mean, her brain will explode if you tell her. <laughs> and, and I feel like if that was the case or if that was the secret that he wanted to keep, we should have seen him turn to camera and giggle or something. Like... <laughs> It was, it was, I, I stopped and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, he did not give them the complete rundown of how this worked. Cause I don't know if that would have changed Alex's decision to do it. But I think it was a good enough explanation for me that, you know, uh, the psyche compensates for the, the missing memories and that if you, try to tell her the truth her 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 walled off memories are, are going to be hit with a sledgehammer and they're going to meld into realities and she'll go insane like i i i bought it i i will say i bought it but it, to your point jean did not make some of that <laughs> stuff clear in the beginning of this whole process he just had alex sign that waiver and she never read it <laughs> speaking of a uh connection to Jean. Jean did help Brainy and Nia with their attempts to find these aliens that I, I guess have uh, been taken in by Lex. The, these are the aliens that Lex had been experimenting on. Uh, what did you think about Brainy's uh, reboot that he experienced in this episode? I, I was shocked. I thought that that was so scary, honestly. Like the way it was shot and the Jesse Rath's performance was so good. Um, I don't, I don't even know what to think. I, I was not expecting it. Um, and and he's, I mean, it's not like he's villainous quite, but he's certainly not nice right now. Like 
he it still seems like he's like pursuing the same goals that they were when they went in but now it's like well yeah i mean obviously it makes more sense for my friend to just get thrown into this like other you know other uh wherever they're putting these aliens so that i can we can find out where they are and like yeah, I guess we'll up the odds if we if we add my other friend in there. Like it was I mean, it was just a very cold and logical and like no emotions in there. But I thought that the scene where he um he starts to like basically kind of glitch and reboot was like like the way the, the way that it was shot was so unnerving and like I was so freaked out and like scared for Brainy and I think that it also it hit harder because we had a very like open and vulnerable brainy at the beginning of the the episode where he's like i'm gonna tell you know nia that i love her and like he's really excited to you know share his feelings and kind of being very actually very like human and emotional and then to get this like very cold and like clinical brainy at the end i thought that that was i thought jesse rat did a great job through the whole thing my boyfriend who's uh whose favorite character is brainy is very unhappy about this Uh oh uh oh (laughs) I'm sure it will turn out well in the end, but we could be into some uh, different territory with this Brainy. I know. Do we? I mean, do we think that it's possible he'll go to like a villainous place? Well, he does say that he remembers everything about his conquering and collecting ancestors, and that he, you know, he kind of does channel what a Brainiac would be like on this show. So I think it could happen. Um, I hope it doesn't happen for long. It c- it could be that they're setting him up to be the next season's big bad. I don't know. I don't know what could happen, but that does if they if he goes villainous, that creates a huge uh hole in <laughs> Team Supergirl because he's kind of the go-to guy for all the information and uh so that that could be, that could actually go to some different places for us in season five if that is the case so i i'd be interested in seeing how that goes because i like like you i thought jesse rath did a really great job he did he did a really good job in actually um like melissa benoist and her, her two different characters he had to play two different versions of brainy and he made them distinct and noticeable and i thought it was really uh a, a really good choice in that scene where he reboots where he starts off like crying and like saying don't don't hurt nia you know caring for for someone else and being really emotional and by the end of the episode i mean by the end of that scene he is completely different so i thought they did a really good job of writing that shooting it uh, even some of the sound design where his voice changes a little bit uh, i so i i thought all of that was really 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 well done the only thing I would question about that scene is that at the beginning it looks like brainy's not trying to free himself at all and then by the end of it the uh brainy the fifth i guess is what i'm going to call him now because that's how he uh introduces himself to neo to dreamer uh he got out of there pretty easily and he beat up a room full of uh children of liberty i guess so my question was why didn't brainy just try to get out of it Initially, I don't know either. That that really kind of made me scratch my head because I didn't understand why he didn't use his abilities to get out of that situation. But maybe Brainy the Fifth has more capabilities than uh, regular OG Brainy. 
So I, I don't I didn't know exactly how all of that worked. Yeah, I didn't either. I was a little confused with that as well. I was like, mm, okay. Well, I guess uh, that's going to cover most of the things in the episode. Uh, so what are your overall thoughts about this penultimate episode? of Supergirl season four titled Red Dawn. Well, I definitely thought that this one was the penultimate episode. <laughs> and like many penultimate episodes before it, I enjoyed it on a level that I could only describe as penultimate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really liked this one. I thought it was really well done. Probably one of my favorites, if not my favorite episode of the season. Um, I think maybe only like some of the, the Luther stuff um, was I enjoyed more than this. I thought it was really well done. There were so many, like every time we would think of like a different aspect of the episode, there was like more that I enjoyed. Like I think that everything really hummed along well and and worked well together and all the storylines were really interesting. Uh, I think a lot of times there would be an episode where there'd be like a really great A story, but the B story was kind of boring or something, you know, there, um, but this one, I was interested in what was happening the whole way through. Like, I don't, I still don't really care about James being super powered or whatever, but that storyline had Lillian Luther. So, uh, <laughs> good save. Um, <laughs> but I thought that the Alex and the car stuff was really, really strong and well done. And I loved the red daughter stuff. Um, and the way that she interacted with car and I'm, mad if that's if she was really killed off off screen but uh i guess we'll have to wait and see until the finale yeah we'll uh see when we get there yeah i thought this was a great episode there were a few little nitpicks and questions that i had uh, but i thought for the most part it was uh really i mean the acting i think was the big standout for me in this episode just so many actors giving great per performances that sold even the silliness of some of these uh scenes and and the um the things that we were to buy as an audience that really saved it. And I, I loved getting to go back to Midvale and seeing young Carr and young Alex. They, they consistently do a great job with that. Um, I also thought they did a good job of hitting on the red daughter aspects of red daughter. They talk about how she is serving the collective versus uh, Supergirl, you know, protecting individuals. Uh, so they, they hit on it pretty hard maybe too hard in some respects, but I did like that they put that in there just to remind us uh, at where she is coming from in her ideology and how she's been led astray by her Alex and um, and kind of going back into the Superman Red Sun and how that story tries to uh, dig into those ideologies that um, Lex Luthor and Superman Red Sun butt into each other about. So I really enjoyed that aspect because it did it did take me back to Superman Red Sun a little bit. So I enjoyed that. Well, I think that's going to do it for our discussion. But let's find out what our listeners had to say about Red Dawn. We have a tweet from Electra WWF who says, As much as I wanted an evil brainiac on this show for a while, I didn't mean our brainiac. <laughs> uh, <laughs> careful what you wish for. Uh, hopefully he gets his emotions back and we get Brainiac 4 Quirrell's mother next season for all our emotionless evil brainiac needs. Also, fantastic performance by Jesse Rath this week. Um, at Corey Lena said, the acting of Jesse Rath was amazing and scary. I was so sad about how he treated John and Dreamer after the reboot. And Supergirl draining energy from the plant life, really cool looking, and it was a super emotional scene when Alex remembered her. So excited for the finale. 
uh, at VH451 said, Gah, so many feels. First Avengers Endgame, finally saw it this weekend. And now this, uh, Melissa Benoist and Kyler Lee for co-MVPs. Katie McGraw for honorable mention. A great setup for next week's finale. Can't wait. Uh, at Tama Labam said, uh, thank Rao the mind wipe came to a conclusion. Great episode. Love the evolution of the memories. Can't wait for next week. Um, at Patty Mello 20 said, we came to a point in this show that even the grass makes me cry. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> Alex finally remembered and all is good in the world. Well, not really, but at least the storyline is over. Can we have all the Luthers together in the next episode? Red Daughter can't be dead. Oh, man. If we could get all the Luthers together. Oh, my God. A Luther reunion would be my everything. Yes. Uh, at Corinna uh, underscore Kale, uh, Keller said, acting was incredible. We saw Brainy bouncing from one personality to another. Sam Witwer acting like Brainy, pretending to be Lockwood. And Benoist as Supergirl, Cara Danvers, and Red Daughter. We didn't really talk about Sam Witwer in that scene, but he was another one of those who the ac- the acting really stood out. He The way he did his hands... And his mannerisms, he he really got Jesse Rasperini. I it, that was very well done. Oh yeah, it was it was incredible, it, and it was so funny too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> him trying to be, him trying to be um, Lockwood, but failing so miserably. <laughs> um, at Jesso thirteen said, "Great episode. Glad that Alex remembers that scene was so emotional. I loved it. Kara pulling sunlight from plants Earth was pretty cool. Surprised about Brainy. Wasn't expecting it, and I don't know how they'll wrap it up before the end. I really hope Red Daughter isn't dead. <laughs> Us too. <laughs> uh, at KVidiCat fifty three said, another excellent episode. Automatically made fifty percent better by adding Lillian Luther." <laughs> Now, if she can find the way to extract the Harinel and depower both Ben and James, she'd be even more of a true hero. Worried about a brainy and R.I.P. Red Daughter. Um, at SL Fricky said, I hope Lillian stabilized the Harinel using turtle DNA. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I hope that, too. Um, also, uh, Midvale is apparently only a three-minute drive from Kara's ap- uh, apartment. You'd think Eliza would visit more often. I mean, if that's true, Eliza should be getting over there. <laughs> um, at Commander Elise said, I'm so happy Alex got her memories back that I don't even know what to do. Fantastic scene by Kyle, uh, by Melissa and Kyler. Wow, it hit all the feels. Um, at have underscore geek said, didn't get the going from daylight to night instantly. And the grass scene seemed more appropriate for a Swamp Thing episode. Wished Red Daughter had almost killed Supergirl, but detected Lex doing his thing and flew off. Liked Lockwood finding out he got played and Alex remembering. At Tone underscore Ring said, Alex shouting, take the grass, took me right out of the <laughs> Thank you. Al- oh, sorry. Uh, Alex shouting, take the grass, took me right out of the moment and made me laugh out loud. So there's two of us. Um, okay. <laughs> Where did Red Daughter get that suit? In- interesting use of uh, Irish in this episode, though Brainy did pronounce it wrong. You'd think Katie McGraw would have corrected it. It's, uh, uh, how is it pronounced? I guess, uh, I guess it's Fuelon. Fue- Quailon? Yeah. Uh, so that's interesting. I didn't know that it was uh, pronounced incorrectly. Katie's right there. She's right there. She's there for consulting. Uh, yeah. So if they did uh, mispronounce it, uh, shame on them. But then that's also just a pattern on the show. People <laughs> mispronouncing things. So uh, just to be expected. Uh, in terms of Red Daughter's suit, I believe Lex gave that to her. 
I don't know about the helmet and all of that, but he did give her a suit. Um, at Danshin underscore Panda said, love how the Danvers sisters remain as the true heart of the show. Jesse gave a very good performance as Evil Brainy. Can't wait for the finale. Well, in terms of email, we had an overwhelming amount of email feedback this week. As you can imagine, this was a so big many. episode with some big uh, points for the season that we've been building to. So I know you all had lots to say about it. Unfortunately, there just isn't enough time to read everybody's email on the podcast. So we apologize for that. Just it's too much time. So for this week, though, we're going to address some emails from some new names. And with everyone's permission, we'll share the rest of the emails that we got on our website. So uh, we'll, we'll be reaching out to you about that. If we uh, if you will allow us to post it, we would love to post it on SupergirlRadio.com so that everybody can go and read your thoughts and respond to them. So our first one is from Mark, who writes, quote, Two questions. Was there any point to that scene with Eve walking down a hall? I honestly don't remember anything being accomplished there, and I'm wondering if it was just there to give her a paycheck while her other show was on, uh, quote, our star is a D-bag, help us, unquote, hiatus. Also, do you think there's a chance that Brainy will go full Brainiac and be a villain next season, or will he be back to nice in time to help with Crisis on Infinite Earths, unquote? So uh, Mark has two questions for us. Uh, Eve walking down the hall. I can I can definitely answer that because that was actually Jean shape-shifting as Eve to get into this facility. So that is why she was there. It did seem a little weird because, like, you saw her and then you saw Jean. You had to put it together that he was shape-shifting as her. Uh, the other question is, uh, do we think Brainiac is going to go full Brainiac? Uh uh, if Brainy will go full Brainiac uh, next season, or will he be around to help with Crisis on Infinite Earth? Do you have any thoughts on that? About the Crisis on Infinite Earth specifically? I mean, I, I kind of hope he's he's uh, good again for Crisis, uh, but I, I don't I don't really know. I don't either. I would think that they would want him there for Crisis, but I don't know. They could play it anyway. What other show is she on? Uh, something with heart. Oh, oh, that's the 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 show with the the actress from the college scandal, right? What's her name? Aunt Becky. <laughs> um, maybe because I was I was trying to put it together where I was like, what what show would she be on? That's you know has a scandal happening right now. It's got to be that one. When calls the heart is that that can't be right. Is that a title of a tv show it might be a canadian show i don't actually know i think calls the heart we are going into andrea brooks's filmography when calls the heart Lori longlin that's who it is and it doesn't seem like that should be the title of anything it's not a great series title uh <laughs> no no uh, that that seems more like a song title but uh she plays a character in that show called faith carter um, okay, Maddie wrote in saying, this episode made me mad. First off, the writers had the perfect opportunity to reveal that Kara is Supergirl. Lillian knows that Kara is Supergirl, and she had to tell the truth. And she had to tell the truth. Is it too much of a stretch to believe the, sh the subject of Supergirl's identity would come up? She would have to tell Lena that Kara was Supergirl because she couldn't lie and say she didn't know. 
Second, I love the scene where Alex remembered Kara was Supergirl, but it didn't make any sense. Why now, of all times, did she remember? It's been a little while since the infamous Mind Wipe episode, and if being at her house triggered memories of Supergirl, why weren't her memories triggered when she was in Kara's apartment or in the DEO? She's had emotional experiences with Kara in both places. Also, Kara pulling the sunlight towards her was stupid. Also, also, that ending came out of nowhere. I feel like they're just rushing the plot because they realized, crap, we only have one episode left. <laughs> I did like the brainy Nia and John stuff. And to be fair, the Lockwood stuff was interesting. He didn't know he was working for Lex Luthor. And it was interesting to see him slowly figuring it out. But overall, this episode was everything I've hated about this season. The topical elements, Alex's mind wipe, the nonsensical plot, and Lena somehow still not knowing Car is Supergirl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point about Lillian. Uh, Lena could have asked her any number of things, uh, and she did not ask her about Supergirl. Uh, but I don't know if she would have known that Lillian knows. So that is uh, a good point to bring up. The, uh, there was another point in this email about Alex and what triggered her to remember her memories. And they did explain that because it was con- she started to regain some of those memories because of her adoption falling through and how that was connected to the fact that Kara was adopted. So that that made sense to me. I, I thought that was a good explanation of why she started having those memories then. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. It For me, I was kind of like, mm, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you still had to go with the fact that she did not have her memories, and it was silly in the first place. Definitely not the uh, not the, the biggest logic leap I had to take in that in that episode. There was a... You know, that take the grass scene. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is going to be infamous uh, for Supergirl <laughs> fans from here on out. Uh, well, Aurora07 sent in some thoughts about Kryptonite, writing, quote, I try to give the DCCW writers leeway when dealing with the source material. M- material. Want to give Kara a sister? Not a fan of Alex, but sure. Reimagine Jimmy Olsen? I'm here for it. However, they should respect the source material in regards to kryptonite. The way Kal-El and Kara acted a few seasons ago regarding the DEO having some meteor rock, you'd think just looking at it would put them six feet under. Yet Kara sat with it on her lap for at least ten minutes, with the side effect being her skin was penetrable. Later, Kara is revived via some type of photosynthesis. Even though it was sort of explained, it was still a MacGuffin. Springing it on the audience with no setup is suspect writing, unquote. (laughs) That's a good point about kryptonite, that if she was able to sit there with it uh, when before it would have made her pass out. So the, 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 the kryptonite reaction is not very consistent. Yeah, I, I agree. They're really um, back and forth with how strong kryptonite is. And like, if you, if you do think about it, like imagine how much Kara freaked out when like she found out that like Lena had made a little kryptonite and now she's just like chilling with it on her lap that's such a good point because she was like it burns my skin or whatever she made that big fuss about the kryptonite exactly and like in this episode i think i mean it's what um what quinn pointed out from twitter that like in the first season car was saying like i just found out about kryptonite and now she's like i've you know i'm fine i've had to deal with it my whole life it's it's one of those things where kryptonite is as powerful as the episode needs it to be you don't know what it's like to almost die lena luther i have that one (laughs) thing that will kill me 
Yeah. Oh my gosh, that does not hold up with that that big argument that she had with uh, with Lena. Ooh, that's 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 a problem for me. The fact that she was able to sit there with it, and it. Uh, I mean, it obviously did something to her, but she was able to deal with it. So. I don't know what she was whining about earlier. Exactly. I mean, I think that that whole like triumphant moment where she's like, I, I've learned to overcome this kryptonite. It's like, well, then why are you always so mad about it? (laughs) 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 Meanwhile, Lena pops out of a corner like, are you kidding? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Erica asks, do you think Red Daughter is dead? If she is, that was a wasted plot. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping that they that they still bring her back for the finale, but who knows? Who knows? Well, uh, for uh, we also have an email from CP69 who writes about frustrations with Alex's adoption storyline, saying, quote, I am a UK watcher slash listener, so I am about a week behind the U.S., My wife and I are currently going through the adoption process in the UK, so the process may be different uh, to the US, but I got frustrated by Alex's adoption storyline. No adoption agency would take a person's number and then a year later phone them to say, oh, hey, we have a baby for you. No, it's fine. We haven't asked you for any references or, in fact, talked to other people about your circumstances, but I'm sure it will be fine. There are so many hoops for you have to jump through, from house visits, references, adoption panels, loads and loads of forms and homework and courses to attend, and that's just for children. Babies straight from birth is a whole different ballgame, uh, unquote. So I really appreciate that perspective from someone who is uh, trying to adopt. Uh, we've had a couple of people chime in about some adoption processes uh, this season. So that's nice to even hear from someone who is trying to adopt in another country just to see how that compares. But yeah, I would I would have thought that somebody would have uh, interviewed Alex in the process and talked to her family and, and uh, you know, checked her out instead of just, you know, she filled out an application and then she got a phone call. It's not very believable. I mean, I'm just from my own experience, it's harder than that to adopt a dog. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, so I, I don't believe that adopting a, a baby is that easy. But also, I think it's another, um, it's sort of another victim of the fact that they just drop that adoption storyline like a hot potato for the majority of the season, then just try to pick it up like they'd been, uh, like they'd been talking about it all along, like. <laughs> You can't just have Al- and even Alex was like, I kind of forgot I wanted to do this, <laughs> which I don't feel like uh, that's I don't feel like there's a probably not a scenario where adoptive parent would be like, whoops, I did that on a whim after a couple glasses of wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm realizing after this episode, did they only bring that up just so that they could I get Alex's so. memories back? Mm-hmm. I legitimate. Also, like, I guess we didn't we didn't really talk about this because it was such a minor point in the episode. But where was Alex when she was having that dream about um, about her and Kara? Was she was she still in the hotel that she had rented with Kelly or is Kelly just straight up chilling out at the at her apartment watching Alex sleep now like what 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 is their relationship I feel like we again I feel like we jumped like several episodes where like Al like 
Kelly's just coming over to hang out now. Well, it did seem like they were watching. They were watching Casablanca, which in typical Danvers sisters fashion, it lines up that they like to watch classic film together. So maybe they were. Maybe Alex was just like, "Hey, you want to come over, watch a movie? We'll we'll hang out, eat some popcorn." And then Alex just happened to fall asleep during Casablanca, which is kind of unfortunate. I I don't. It's not my favorite classic film, but it is an interesting movie. Like, it's a good movie. Uh, so I can't believe she fell asleep during Casablanca. How dare <laughs> you? But maybe she just happened to fall asleep when they were watching it. But it is kind of, we don't, yeah, we don't really know how things are progressing with them. It seemed like they were just hanging out as friends, but who knows? Uh, but yeah, that was, <laughs> it was a little different. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens with them in the future. Well, and we have a voicemail from Mauricio. Hey, Super Guru Radio, it's me, Mauricio. I like the episode, but I have a few, not issues, but nitpick. I mean, one, I forgot next week is the final episode because here are my few questions. One, do you think they're rushing the Ben Lockwood conclusion now? Because I'm like, oh, he's dying or he's deteriorating. But I'm like, wow, this is like really fast. I wish we had three more episodes with him. Two, are they setting up something with Brainy for next season? Because I feel like they do this with those CW shows all the time with Arrow and Flash. Like, towards the end or the penultimate episode, they always, like, sub-teases for the next season. And I feel like this came out of left field. No offense. I love Brainy, but, like, what? And then, three, um, I know next season we've been confirming that Lex Luthor is coming, but I really hope this isn't the end of Red Daughter, because I'm like, oh, she's dead? That was fast. But, yeah, but nice episode and everything else. I can't wait for next week because, yeah, it's the end of Supergirl <laughs> for this season. But take care. Bye. And we kind of talked about some of the questions that Mauricio had already asked uh, in his voicemail with about Brainy setting him up for next season if he's going to be a villain. Um, but the question that he also asked was, uh, do you think we're we're getting a, a rushed uh, storyline to conclude out Ben Lockwood's time on the show is is does it feel too fast or is it something that's been culminating the whole time? Um, I feel like this is almost a hard one for me to weigh in on because I I have disliked this Lockwood storyline so much <laughs> that I would I would I would be fine with them Jeremiah Danversing him off the show. <laughs> uh, which is, is which is honestly nothing against uh Sam Witwer, no. who I think is a great actor and I'm sad that this is what he had to do on Supergirl. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I wish they had given him a different part where I would have enjoyed his presence on the show more. But I mean, I do feel like it's Ben Walkwood for better or worse has been throughout the entire season, uh, like a a villain that sort of seeded his way through from basically the beginning to the end. So I don't feel like they're really rushing the conclusion. I feel like they've, they've pulled that storyline about as far as it can go. Yeah, I would agree. I think they've done a really pretty good job of getting him from point A to point B in the season, even though I would agree also that it has not been my favorite storyline. It's been very topical having to sit through a lot of that stuff. But I think they've done a nice job of, you know, pushing him to becoming Agent Liberty, then being Agent Liberty for a while, and then uh, getting uh, uh, helping us to get to know his family and dealing with the death of some of his family members. Like, he's actually gotten a lot of good character uh 
scenes and stories and beats throughout the season. So I think they've done a really actually he, he's probably one of the the better examples of character arcs through the season uh, for the show in season four. So I don't think they've rushed it, but I guess that will de- will will make a final determination after the f- finale, I guess, to see <laughs> what they do with him ultimately. Uh, but I think they've they've done a fairly good job with him. Before we wrap up our feedback, we have some snap judgments sent in by our listeners. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. Our first snap judgment. Whoa, we have a lot of these. I scroll. I made the mistake of scrolling down the Google Doc. Never do that. Um, okay, our first snap judgment is from at uh, Danshin underscore Panda. Season two, Alex Danvers line. Here comes the sun. Versus season four, take the grass. <laughs> I, I know that you're going to totally pick take the grass. That- <laughs> Was obviously your favorite one. Gotta go with take the grass. <laughs> yeah, really. You're you're, you're gonna pick. You're gonna uh, you're gonna settle on take the grass here. I am. I am living in take the grass. <laughs> <laughs> that is shocking. I'm just as shocked as when Lena heard that Lillian actually did love her. I'm very <laughs> shocked about this. Uh, so I'm gonna go. Here comes the sun. I thought it was a good good pun on uh, a song. I enjoyed that. It was a good pun. Um, okay, so we have a couple snap judgments from Ange. Uh, so, Jean posing as Miss Tessmacher or Jean posing as Kara? He he was like Miss Tessmacher for like two seconds. I'm going to go Jean posing as Kara. I think I got to go Kara, too. I mean, I feel like he puts in more effort there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess uh, these are options, all right? So, money, power, or world domination normally we only do two choices but i'm gonna make an exception for this one because i think it's a a fascinating question can say a lot about the person making the choice uh i'm gonna go money on this one you know what's funny so am i (laughs) (laughs) because with that one could come the other two yes that is true (laughs) (laughs) it can also be a benevolent uh a benevolent thing it doesn't have to be nefarious. <laughs> so you exactly. Could, you, could do, you could do good with, with money. I could get so many dogs. <laughs> and then we could take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So our next uh, set of snap judgments are from Danae. Um, now that Otis is dead, who should become the next Metallo? Ben Lockwood or Eve Tessmacher? Oh, man. I would love it so much if Eve Tessmacher was Metallo. Yeah, me too. I, I mean... Yeah, I don't think that I don't I don't think that I could do another season of of Ben Lockwood. Mm-mm, so, Tesmaka. <laughs> <laughs> All right, which duo should save the day next week? Olivia Marsden and Cat Grant, or Kazni and Kara and Mikhail? <laughs> Ooh, that's actually kind of tough because I do like Red Daughter and Little Mikhail. I like their bond, but I would love it if Cat Grant somehow showed up. And save the day. One scenario, I get Cat Grant back. So that's <laughs> what I'm going with. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of over President Wonder Woman because she did uh, some really shady things. And I don't uh, appreciate the fact that she disregarded um, our set of rules about who should be president. And uh, so, But I do enjoy me some Cat Grant. Who should be the villain for next season announced in the cliffhanger, possibly 
by Pod, <laughs> Mercy Graves, or Brainy? Uh, the answer has to be Mercy Graves. That would be so great. Mercy Graves, obviously, uh, she's still alive, and I will never accept otherwise as an answer. <laughs> it's going to be seasons from now, and I'm going to be like, but what if Mercy's still alive? <laughs> <laughs> and I would actually even be okay with a pod in the cliffhanger if it was Mercy Graves. That would be the best cliffhanger pod <laughs> of all time. Uh, <laughs> okay. Our last set of snap judgments come from Abby. Um, Lena flying her self-designed plane or Morgan Edge's plane from season three? Uh, Lena, Lena in her own plane. I don't mm. I'm going Morgan Edge's plane because she was in a real headspace in that episode that, like, I, 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 I guess I just want more Lena in a leather jacket pointing guns at people. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's just the thing I need in my life. <laughs> um, okay. Nia planning on professing her love to Brainy or Lillian confirming she does love Lena. Oh, Lillian confirming she does love Lena. Oh, yeah. That's a, I got to go Lillian. I'm going to go Lillian every time. <laughs> um, okay. The baby truth seeker escapes for one episode. Would you rather have it attached to Brainy spilling all the secrets he knows of the future or on Kara, where she has to spend one whole workday, that's 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. for Kara. I'm, I'm sure she's qualifying this for Kara, whose workday <laughs> is usually about one hour. Uh, <laughs> okay. Kara, uh, where she has to spend one whole workday at CatCo trying to keep her secret identity. Ooh, that is a tough one. But I'm definitely going to go Kara at work. Hmm. I mean, I would like to know the future, but I'd also like to see Kara at work for a whole work day. So I'm going to go Kara as well. <laughs> I want to know what she tells people about her situation. Me too. Let's get that episode. <laughs> All right. L Lillian paying $14,000 to Taylor, Lena's middle school boyfriend, to break up with her, or when fifth grade Lena spent months planning revenge to publicly humiliate <laughs> Cindy Ryan by outing her diary because Cindy stole her boyfriend. <laughs> I, I completely forgot about Lena and her revenge. Oh, Lena's the best. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go Lena's revenge because I want to know more about it. I would go Lena's revenge as well. Take that, Cindy. <laughs> Eat that, Cindy Ryan. No judgments on your snap judgments. All right. Well, that is going to do it for our thoughts and feedback on Red Dawn. If you'd like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave a voicemail, you can call 678-718-7252. Just make sure you write and call in before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured and in, uh, featured on and inspired by the show, including the song this week that they were clapping along with, uh, which we ended up getting the super clap from. Uh, so we have that on the uh, Spotify playlist. We are also on Radio Public and Podchaser. 
And we are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. We're also available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And you can find all of the links to all of the things I just mentioned on supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page. And now we throw it over to Mark for the DC TV plugs. Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV podcast network. So if you like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Titans, Batwoman, or classic DC TV shows, or the upcoming Swamp Thing and Stargirl shows, but not Elongated Man, no, not that dude, you can subscribe to the Mega Feed on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Follow at DCTV Podcasts on Twitter and like DCTV Podcasts on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter at Derby Kid and Instagram at The Derby Kid. I voice a. I also uh, voice a character named Leanne on a sketch comedy podcast called The Fakus. Season two is coming out. It is uh, a big turning point for the character of Leanne. So if you want Leanne's origin story, if you're into that. That's coming out. Uh, I am also a contributor to Justice League Universe podcast. So if you like the DCEU films, uh, we talk about those things and analyze the scenes from those films. So you can check us out over there. And you can find me on Twitter um, and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. You can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, uh, which I think is uh, also wrapping up its season pretty soon. So <laughs> I don't know because I never know, but uh, I guess at some point it, there'll just won't be any more episodes and that's how I'll find out. <laughs> oh, everything will be a surprise to you. What if I end up watching, like finding out that this week's episode was the penultimate episode of Legends of Tomorrow. And you would have missed your chance to say it so many times. Exactly. That's why you got to <laughs> keep up with this stuff. You got to know when you can uh, use the terminology that is, is very enjoyable. <laughs> well, that is going to do it for our episode on Red Dawn, but until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Maureen Lennon. And we hope that you enjoyed the penultimate episode of Supergirl Season 4 because we sure had a good time saying penultimate a lot. (laughs) 